When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is not as simple as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened up so many more doors. The show is called The The Deal. Deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. This episode is supported by FX's Clipped, the scandalous story of the 2014 Clippers owner's racist remarks captured on tape and heard around the world. The series charts the tape's impact on a dysfunctional basketball organization striving to win against their reputation as the most cursed team in the league. Starring Lawrence Fishburne, Jackie Weaver, Cleopatra Coleman, and Ed O'Neill. FX's Clipped, streaming June 4th, only on Hulu. Why take one vacation with the family when you could take all of them? With Royal Caribbean, you don't just go to the beach. You visit a private island and race down the tallest water slide in North America. You don't just go for a road trip. You ATV and zip line through the jungle. You don't just go somewhere new. You rappel down waterfalls and discover ancient temples. Because this isn't just any vacation. This is all the vacations. Come seek the Royal Caribbean. Ships Registry, Bahamas. Can you hear me now? Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Good morning. We we owe some love to Waterways Travel and Real Water Sports this morning, Scott. Yeah, well, you know, Waterways Travel, I mean, gosh, I'm looking at this hurricane and I'm thinking to myself, man, where do I go? And there was also just a beast of a uh, typhoon over in Asia last week, which had me thinking about some spots over there specifically like the Philippines region and maybe even Ponape, the uh, Pea Pass there. So waterways travel is the go-to for experts in surf travel. And I mean, people that are gonna dial you in regarding swell and surf and locations. So waterways travel, it's a no brainer. That's the key. And you're somebody who's somewhat of an expert. And so, uh, that helps. But for a lot of listeners who aren't and don't have the decades of expertise that you have, they can rely on the experts at Waterways Travel um, to handle all of that. Don't get skunked. There's no point in wasting time and money. And Waterways Travel will be your uh, travel concierge, surf travel concierge. Um, and then, of course, Real Water Sports. I mentioned they're doing that surfboard giveaway. That's There's only a week left in that. That's September 13th. And so go to their website, click surfboard giveaway, put in your email address and boom, you're entered to win. And they'll randomly select one winner on the 13th. And you will have, if you're the winner, um, the ability to choose from any of their surfboard inventory to just get a free board and they'll ship it to you no matter where you are in the world. And they have 1500 boards in inventory. So it's pretty epic. And I I sense that we owe Jack O'Reilly a 
an apology because we stumbled Jeff. on his name. Jeff. Oh, Jeff. <laughs> Jeff. <laughs> I was thinking Jack O'Neill. Okay, Jeff O'Reilly. Yeah. So Jeff, we apologize because I know I remember he busted his butt last year at the boardroom show, just taking tons and tons of great video and capturing the spirit of the show. And Jeff O'Reilly was given no. a Ross and surfboard. It actually is O'Neill, but it is Jeff. It's Jeff oh. O'Neill. Okay, yeah, Jack O'Neill. Okay. So you can see where I might stumble. Uh, I apologize I, it, to both Jack O'Neill and Jeff O'Neill and Jeff O'Reilly if there is such a person. Well, the funny thing is um, they posted an Instagram that day, I think, oh, the yeah. next day after we published this. And they're like, Jeff O'Neill busted his butt filming. Here's a little recap video. Was that a, a reaction, yeah. you think? How could it not have been? <laughs> Super stoked for that guy, though. He got a new Pat, Pat Ross. And... Yeah. So thank thank you, Jeff. Jeffrey. As we see some movement at the takeoff zone, it's Kelly Slater grabbing rail. A clean entry, this thing holding open, it spits. Uh, when it spit me, I thought it was going to spit me off my board. Comes out with the spit, spits him out. Comes out after the spit. Gets spat out of another good-looking wave here. Spit, spit, spit. We're just spitballing, right? Yeah, I got Yeah, guy. Yes to the guy. Yeah to the guy. Hello. Good morning. <laughs> it is Spit. It's a Spit podcast. And it's David Lee Scales and Scott Bass. And we're talking all things surf related and some other stuff that's not surf related. But uh, generally speaking, we, we talk surf. Good morning, David. What wonderful day is this, David? Uh, this is the day before finals day, potentially. It's September 7th. Um, I there's a couple of congratulations I need to give right at the top of the show. The first one is to Dustin Strong, who won the Panda Shiitake that we gave away last week. So thanks to that, thank you for that, Dustin, and uh, for everybody who supports our work here. My other congratulations, Scott, is to you for an epic interview with one Eric Logan. Oh, did you listen to it? I did from beginning to end. Yeah, it was okay. Huh? I mean, he he's a He's an interesting guy to interview for sure, because he, he likes to control the narrative and he pulls things back and demands context. And once he takes context and takes the narrative, he's a professional at running with it, but, and he's such a nice guy. Eric is truly is a, a sincerely kind person. And so it's, it's, uh, you know, we learned a little bit. I think I learned a little bit. Um, you did an excellent job interviewing him. Oh, thank you. Thank you very much. Yeah, you really did. I feel like, like when you texted me about it after the fact, after the interview was over, you said it's probably not as hard hitting as you would want. And I felt like it was just hard hitting enough um, because he's so nice and, and sincere and earnest, by the way, yeah. like it feels, um, I don't know, it feels rude to really hold his feet to the fire over certain things. Um but I think that there is implicit acknowledgments in a lot of his statements that, you know, you could tell he's obviously putting lipstick on it, but there's still an acknowledgement. I mean, it, at some point he said, uh, I forget who you were talking about. Oh, the surfers getting cut. It's like, yeah, that's what happens if you don't do your job. And then he says, yeah, I'm here to turn around this company. And if I don't do my job, then I'll get cut. So him just stating to turn around this company indicates that the company 
you know, we all know is, is losing, you know, operating at a 20 to $30 million deficit every year. So kind of implicit acknowledgements like that throughout the interview allow you as the interviewer, I think, to then not hold his feet to the flames. But at the same time, you did um, present him with some challenging discussions and he engaged in them. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. It was, it was a good, it was a fun interview and, and I enjoyed it. And, um, and uh, yeah, you know, he, he was, he's willing, he's willing to, uh, you know, to discuss some stuff. It's, it's interesting. I guess what I'm trying to get at is what I've noticed is that first of all, I didn't want to be like some, you know, gotcha reporter guy that was like, you know, like that's just not me. And that, and, and that's not how I want to behave, you know? So, um, but I, I did try to push back on some things and I did try to get him to open up. And I think he did. And I thought it was, uh, yeah, I thought it was good. Thank you. Um, do you feel any more or less confidence about his vision for the WSL aligning with what you want? Uh, I think aligning with what I want, you know, what I want is, is a little bit of a pipe dream in some respect, to be perfectly honest, you know, um, it's a big beast of a business. You know, it's easy for you and I to sit in these chairs and go, why don't you just go where the waves are good every time? And, um, you know, it'll, if it happens, it'll be slowly occurring. It, there is a business there it, and it is, there are more, um, there's some more nuance to it than, than just you and I sitting in the Monday morning quarterback chair, um, you know, you know, look, generally speaking, I, I feel good about where the WSL is headed because of what you just said earlier that like there, he seems focused on crowning world champions. He mentioned that the waves were the most important thing. The athletes are second. And then the stakes are the third. When you put those three together and brew them up into the stew, you're generally going to get some good outcomes. Um, you know, you and I would like to see less surfers and, and that less surfers just makes it more that there's more potential that they run in good surf. And um, I wouldn't be surprised if that's something that's on the, the whiteboard, so to speak. You know? Yeah. Um, though, first of all, his answers, you kind of already stated this, but his answers are so freaking long winded. Um, and I feel like you said, they're driving a narrative and I feel like they're often not fully addressing the point that you're asking about. Mm -hmm. He'll kind of um, mention what you're talking about and use it to then go and talk about what he wants to talk about. And so what I felt was, or what, what I guess maybe wasn't said, but he did address, but the point that wasn't said is so much of the direction that he's tried to go down have actually been a waste of time and money. And what he always kind of comes back to when they reset is focusing on the surfing and putting good surfers in good waves. And these are things that we've been talking about since before Eric Logan was CEO or before he was even hired on with the company. And when we've talked about them, I have specifically been chastised by them and been like, what the hell, dude? But then one month later, one year later, 
they're redirecting to do exactly what we were criticizing them about. So I think another thing that he addressed was they no longer get their feelings hurt about being criticized by the core surf fan, quote unquote. So I think that's a good thing. Don't get criticized because we're not doing it to hurt your feelings. We're doing it because we kind of know where the essence of the sport is and maybe where the business should be, where the essence of what the business should be. But in terms of them kind of going down the wrong paths, you know, he talked about we were doing these, um, the WSL studios was doing all of these different series. And I had to reset at some point and say, does this serve the purpose of crowning a world champion? And the answer is no. What it might do is build shoulder content that then gets somebody in middle America to be interested in the act of surfing. And then maybe they become a viewer at some point, but is that related to crowning a world champion? The answer is no. We need to focus on crowning a world champion. I'm saying, great. That's all good. Uh, I'm glad that he's reset. There is kind of an, uh, an acknowledgement of the failure there, you know, that we talked about. Um, but he then goes on to talk about the growth and the business is in a healthier position than it's ever been and all that sort of stuff. It's like, well, you're also responsible for some of the deficits as well. So you're climbing out of a hole that you created largely. So we can talk about that. The other thing is there's a lot of what it's all performative. A lot of all of this stuff is performative. Um, and what they're doing in San Clemente right now, after your interview with him, I feel is cringy and performative. They did this dinner last night and they posted about it on Instagram and it's to honor the top five, but also it's a dinner for every world champ that's ever been crowned. So Lisa Anderson's there, Tom Carroll's there, Sean Thompson's there, Tom Kern's there. But the way that they pull it off is just performative, cheesy, and kooky. I think their heart's in the right place. It's a great concept. Absolutely honor these people. But they have some elder woman who looks like a shaman walking around with little leather pouches that she's putting around everybody's neck and like blessing the pouch. I don't know if it's <laughs> crystals in the pouch. I don't know if it's rocks in the pouch. I don't know if she's related to the indigenous people of San Clemente. Like I have no idea no, no, what's no. going on. There, there are coupons <laughs> for 5% off a Jack in the box. At the, the Carl's Jr. Carl's yeah. Jr. <laughs> it's possible. That'd be even, that'd be actually <laughs> that would be better. That would be more. Free breakfast but, burrito. <laughs> but again, the point being like, what does this really have to do with surfing? Um, okay, I like the idea of honoring the world champs, but what is this woman doing here? And why is she putting, you know, it's the equivalent of putting yeah. a lay around agree, somebody. Look, it, it's a you're, we're kind of nitpicking a little bit. Like, you know, so they screwed up by having the wrong, you know, decorator well, no, there or whatever. No, 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 no. I mean, it, you're right. It is nitpicking. But my point is that Eric Logan, heart's in the right place all that kind of nice guy and all that kind of stuff. But I feel like he's kind of kooky and he's, yeah. he, he doesn't, you know, because he's new to surfing, yeah. his vision of it is just slightly. And so without any, without being influenced by quote government contracts and all the beer, beer, all that kind of stuff, which by the way, um, are only in place to service old goals. I think often like he's still in that mindset. So if you kind of wash away all of that and really just focus on crowning world champs, and by the way, let's crown them in the best waves in the world, 
then you don't have this shaman putting rocks around people's necks anymore <laughs> either, you know, and like so much of his energy and focus is tied at that. And, and so much of his raw, raw championing is tied to that. Like, look, San Clemente has now become this, uh, they, they're thrilled that we're here and we're the championship city and all this kind of stuff. And it's like, yeah, but Eric, it shouldn't ever have been in the first place. We, it's great that San Clemente supports you and they want you there and it's fun for everybody the champion should not be crowned at trestles full stop. You know what I mean? Like it's kind of slightly askew every time. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, there's, but I can never call him out. There's a few stumbles, right. For, for, I do sense though, that, you know, you're right. Like worse, were some of the early mistakes. Could you point to Eric or whoever? Probably, you know, but I do sense that, we're going to continue to see a few stumbles along the way as he moves it in the right direction. I agree with you. There needs to be more like wisdom in the building regarding the culture and, and the history. Like I get the sense that he's like, Oh, in Australia, we have Aborigines and uh, at uh, Tavarua, we have ceremonies. So let's have a ceremony here. And it's like, you know, that's what it the is. Ceremony here is going and getting a breakfast burrito at Carl's Jr. That's the ceremony. Like, 100%. you know, I'm, obviously I'm kidding, but you know what I mean? Like, it's almost like he's putting a round peg into a square hole, so to speak, or vice versa. But, you know, well, the, you know like, the, like really, the, the, are shamans in San Clemente, are those like commingling? And of course, you know, you've got the state parks and, you know, like there is indigenous Indians and, all of that stuff. And so he's probably like, let's bring that in. You know, like that's kind of, we want to be supportive of that. And, and so that's kind of a little bit cringeworthy maybe, you know, where, it, you know, from a surf yeah. culture perspective, you're kind of like, you know, if we're going to do something at lowers, I don't know, let's honor the state park lifeguard, Steve Long, you know, like Greg's dad, who's just like legendary guy and had, had a lot to do with, um, you know, that region staying groovy, you know? Yeah. Yeah. But I, I agree. You know, like, like I said, it's kind of like, let's not, it's, it's kind of nitpicking. Like, yeah, we can pick the, we could definitely tease that apart, you know, but. Um, I think it's not so much nitpicking as it is an indicator of the overall zeitgeist within the company, which a lot of it is performative. And then there's all these missteps. And then next year they, they go back to the kind of focus and don't necessarily acknowledge the misstep, but then they talk about, look at how much better we're doing this year. It's like, but you made the mistake last year that you're now better than, you know? And, <laughs> yeah, but and again, if you're, but if every scaling back is just focusing back onto crowning the best surfers in the best waves, then what's up with all the performative stuff? Just yeah. focus on that goal, you yeah. know? But at any rate, we got a lot to discuss and more yeah. important stuff than, than and we don't, that. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, look. I'm glad I missed the cheesy little thing, but I am glad that they're celebrating the champions. You know, I think Me that's too. a good thing. So the big picture is like, okay, you know, maybe they messed up a little bit, but it's kind of cool that they're that they're celebrating world champions. Let's just hope well, that in a couple the, of years they have um, the you know the the finals day at Chopu, which I tried to drill down pretty hard on. Yeah, you did. Um, by the way, here's a big detail I just thought of. Yeah, it's great that they're celebrating the world champs. But here's the way it used to happen in the past. The powers that be or the important people would just go ahead and have dinner with Tom Carroll and Tom Kern and Lisa when they come to town. They wouldn't necessarily make a performance out of it and Instagram about it. 
So they, they were honored, maybe not yeah. as publicly, but they're honored. You know what I mean? Yeah. So All right. anyways, uh, we got the finals day. Um, I also wanted to talk, if you're interested, about the electric acid surfboard test, if you watched episode one yet. Or I haven't watched it, but I do okay. want to because I'm I'm kind of intrigued by. Well, I'll just tease it then and we yeah. can do a deeper dive next week because you're the one who brought this up a couple of weeks ago. And I was like, have the idea feels not like a novelty. Like the new concept is we're pairing two shapers from kind of opposite schools of thought. So there's going to be 12 shapers, but only six surfboards. So among the shapers are Hayden Cox and Peter Schroff, you know, and okay, Peter, so that's, that's the one that's interesting. Like to me, like that's almost more interesting than watching Nick ride that board. I don't right. know what they've done there, but my heart is hoping that there's a lot of, discourse between those two guys you right. know um well they have because that's that's them. like a conflict you know like exactly. that's interesting like that's the most interesting thing right i mean for for people who don't know peter schroff did a huge campaign uh rallying against asian quote asian made surfboards and actually got a hayden and cut it to pieces with a chainsaw in this kind of performative uh art. Hold on. He, he was wearing speedos <laughs> nothing else he had goggles on and a cigarette hanging out of his big mouth. boots <laughs> it was, all it was a performance it was, it was a performance art piece directed <laughs> yeah it really was funny so putting them together you know is much more it's, compelling it's than just shaping a surfboard. yeah 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 um donald brink and matt biolis also very kind of opposite styles yeah. and schools of thought josh keo and greg weber simon jones who makes torn martin's morning of the earth surfboards with darren handley which is mixed longtime uh, high performance shortboard shaper matt parker and joe falcone simon uh john simon and ryan birch are the final pairing that one's interesting too well to me, so to me. i watched up i watched episode one and um I, my criticism of this was, look, I don't think they're going to end up with any new surfboards that become like revolutionary design concepts. You know, I think that yeah. the surfboards are going to be lesser versions than if each of the individual shapers just made them. I think that still may be true. Yeah. But the value of episode one was exactly what you were just kind of guessing. It's so compelling to hear these shapers get in a room together and talk and hash out ideas. And the boards that they end up, there's um, two boards that Mick rides in episode one, I would argue, aren't great. But it's but Mick is a phenomenal surfer, and it's interesting to watch him figure it out. And the somehow, this is a better highlight of the shapers themselves, and this is a better kind of shining a limelight on them and honoring them. Yeah. than it would be to let them make their finest surfboard ever because yeah. just hearing them talk to another shaper the way that they communicate all of that is a really really insightful and simon jones and darren hanley there's no animus between them in right. the way that peter schroff and hayden probably have it's all positive but it's still super super compelling so i found myself fully engaged and enjoying it for a totally different reason than I thought was the concept of the entire piece. Yeah, that's the sense I'm getting to, David, is that it's going to be fun to watch these shapers interact. And the pro surfer that's riding the boards almost is secondary or dare I say doesn't matter. 
Yeah. You know, but, but, for but sure, Mick seeing Mick surf again is freaking amazing. Yeah. So then it matters, you know, right. but you're right. And then you watch Mick and you're like, I love that guy. And I do agree with you. I'm not sure if the boards are, you know, it's going to be one of those things where you get the, the worst of both worlds rather than the best of one world, you know? Yeah. Yeah. We'll see. We'll see, we'll see. It'll be fun to watch for sure. We'll discuss next week in more detail. Yeah. Um, finals gosh, day. Finals day. Yeah. Um, I think the big, the big thing that's hanging over finals day is actually the wonderful ideal of man versus nature. I think we're actually going to have it in the sense that this hurricane K is, has created so much uncertainty and a little bit of dis-ease amongst um, the commissioner, Jesse Miley Dyer, who has to make the call on which day to run this thing. There's plenty of south swell, ground swell in the water. Um, it kind of supposed to peak tomorrow, the opening, potential opening day for this. And then it fades a little bit on Friday as this new tropical swell starts to fill in. And then Saturday, we've got pretty solid ground swell from the Southwest, you know, 15 second New Zealand type swell. And this crazy potential Southeast wind swell at nine seconds, 10 seconds, whatever it's gonna be, coming in super strange angle, you know, steep angle combining with the Southwest ground swell. And then the big issue here is the wind that's associated with that on Saturday. So Saturday to me looks like the biggest day and the most unique day regarding swells combining. But the, and the forecast is calling for these crazy East Northeast offshore winds at like 20 miles an hour. But that's a wild card because that's all just dependent on what Tropical Storm K does. It's, it's going to be a hurricane, by the way, all the way up until Friday when it's kind of like up into the central northern Baja area aligned with, you know, off just off the coast. So pretty close to San Diego, pretty close to San Clemente. And uh, it's, it's just a wild card. It's, it's a tough one, I think, tougher than most realize. Because if we look at it, we go, oh, there's tons of swell. What's the problem? And there is no problem there. What the problem is, is what is, what's the wind going to do? Because it's, it's really a wild card. Um, so what's the wind forecast other than that day of 20 mile an hour offshores? It looks northeasterly and, and pretty good, you know? Okay. But the so thing not is, is strong that, though. The thing is, is that like, for, so Thursday, tomorrow, there's good swell and good winds, you know, but it's going to be like, four to five feet, you know, can't run it then maybe a six footer here. Or there. Then yeah. the next day, Friday, you've got that swell fading as the tropical swell starts to kick in and really good winds. And then Saturday, which of course, Eric Logan and the WSL would love to run on a Saturday, right? So there's pressure there going, Hey, let's run on Saturday. We'll have a hundred thousand people on the beach. Now you've got insane 10, 12 second wind swell, tropical swell, and the southwest swell. And we don't know what the wind's going to do, but the forecast is for straight offshore at 20 miles per hour, which some could argue is almost too strong. I know, so, but that'd be kind of interesting to run the event and, in that and strong of option. And rain. And, and it would totally mix up who we put money on. Oh, for sure. You know, 
Oh, for with, sure. I would I would almost eliminate Idolo from the conversation with offshore winds. And to a certain degree, uh Felipe Toledo might be a little bit nullified. Um, I would then focus a lot of my money on Ethan Ewing and Stephanie Gilmore. You know, Stephanie can make a run from the back of the pack if the waves are that groomed and that sizable. Well, think about it. What does um, Southeast Swell at nine seconds thrown into the mix do? Is it, it, it makes you go, it, are, like the coaches are going to be like, look, wait for the ground swell. Don't even bite on the, on the Southeast Swell, the, the short period swell. It's going to, that's going to look like beach break. You know, it's going to be breaking from middles going left into the right at lowers on some occasions. Don't bite on those Southeast Swell sets wait for the 16 second ground swell waves. Those are the waves you want. Just ignore. And so the coaches are going to be, and then, you know, like you, you mentioned Edlo. Well, you you and I both know Edlo is the guy that's just going to froth out on everything. He can just wear himself out by catching 30 waves in his first heat, you know? Yeah. And he's the one, he's the one who's surfing in the first heat. So he has to make it through the full day. Yeah. It's going to be interesting. Um, I do love Ethan Ewing here. It is interesting. So let me ask you this. Uh, can they run on Sunday? Does the permit allow it? Yes. They've got, okay. they've got plenty of time, but everything fades away from Sunday on. It really, I think, has to happen Thursday or Saturday. Got it. And they shouldn't run third. I mean, really, if Thursday's Thursday's like going to be not head kind, high. kind of like today, like if you went to the lowers camp today, yeah, it's totally no. contestable. It's like three but, to four to five feet. And that's fine if it was a three-day event, but especially off of the great surf that they had last year for this event, I don't think they can run it in less than head-high surf when there's head-high surf on the forecast, almost regardless of the wind forecast. Yeah. Uh, and the wind, the wind forecast isn't horrible. It's just odd, it's, you know? It's, it's, and it can change. It could go weird. It could go southerly. Right, it, could go it could go southerly, which is like, That'd be oh, awful. That would be yeah. horrible. Okay, well, let's. Um, that was a great forecast. Let's talk about the matchups. Do you want to do the men or the women first? Uh, let's do the women first. So, Steph Gilmore, Brissa Hennessy, who do you got? Steph. Interesting. You remember what Steph did last year, right? I think she fell on her face. <laughs> Figuratively and literally. <laughs> last year, I mean, she practically didn't show up. I mean, a yeah. version of her showed up, but definitely not the world champ version. Um, it was it was pure pressure. Like, she f- fell to the pressure and my thought on Steph in general is uh greatest surfer on the women's tour along with Carissa Gil uh Carissa Moore what are you but, drinking oh this is my morning fuel AG1 baby oh hell Just shake, yeah shaking it I up love my AG1 athleticgreens.com slash surf I was <laughs> waiting to drink it until we are actually in proper commercial but I can't wait anymore. I'm stumbling. I'm calling Carissa, Carissa Gilmore. Um, Drink your wonderful AG1 because what you have there is a bucket load of nutrients, organically sourced, probably the finest uh, organically sourced green drink in the world. Well, no, I I take that back. It is the finest organically sourced green drink in the world. Athleticgreens.com slash surf. I can feel it already. Just yeah. two sips and boom, neurons are firing. I see your um, hair is lighting up. Thank you. Mm. So Steph, I think that when Steph, I don't want to say that Steph has no tenacity, but. 
but, but uh, the the current version of Steph doesn't. When she was winning her world titles, maybe she did. But I think her wins in recent years, um, event wins in recent years, have come off of her immense talent. You know, and take me back and, to last year, will you? Take me back to last year. What spot did she hold in the top five? Do you recall? Five. Like, was she, okay? So she okay because my sense is that, um, and and help me out here because maybe I'm wrong. My sense is this year, she kind of doesn't have anything to lose. She surfed hard to sneak her way in. And so it's kind of like, she kind of has that really cool laissez-faire. I don't got anything to lose. I'm just going to go out and have a good time, which plays into her, you know, having a good event. And I, and I, I asked you to go back to last year because I was wondering, do you feel like there was more pressure on her last year than there is this year? Um, yes. Well, I feel like she didn't care last year. Like she didn't really, and for a number of years, maybe even she makes it into the time, the final five based on sheer talent alone, but the tenacity that we see that uh, Tatiana Weston Webb has yeah. or Courtney Conlog has yeah. Stephanie has zero of it. Currently. I think she had it back when she was winning world titles for yeah. whatever reason, she's in a different phase of life in her career now. However, I think last year was an embarrassment. Like she was embarrassed by her own performance mm -hmm. and I don't see her making that mistake again. So I see her working probably with a coach leading up to this, hitting the gym, like actually focusing mm -hmm. and <clears throat> a little focus from Steph, excuse me, goes a long way. So I don't see her making mistakes in heat one, but she does have Brissa Hennessy and Brissa deserves to be here as well. And I watched a couple of free surf clips of her at lowers and she's a very complete surfer. She's got power. She's ditching the fins and combo, yeah. you know, like she's, yeah. she's very good, but she's young and she's underexperienced and she's underexperienced in these high pressure situations. So how does she fare on a finals day? I don't know. And which Stephanie Gilmore shows up? I don't know, but I'm betting it's the world champ, Stephanie Gilmore. And in which case, if you had kind of the best Brissa versus the best Steph going head to head, Steph wins. Yeah. I mean, this is a situation too, where you see Brissa as sort of um, an unknown and, and new to the game, so to speak, falling victim to this Southeast swell to these 10 second interval swells and, and just surfing tons of waves and getting a lot of fours and right. Stephanie just getting, you know, six waves and getting, you know, three fives and two sevens or the, the pressure of finals day, you're sitting there and a set is coming to you for Brissa. Yeah. Like, can you, you not just keep... one set, a set with like six waves in it, seven waves. Like those sets are going to have which seven one? or eight yeah. waves. Those South so which one do you go on? Set. And then you're, then you're turning around on an eight foot or perfect, right? The whole world's watching. Can she live up to that pressure in that moment? Steph can. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and I don't know about Brissa. Maybe she can but too. Brissa, but I think Brissa looked good at Choku, though. <laughs> yeah, she's insane, and so yeah. she deserves to be here. You know, it's just kind of again the pressure of the moment. Can she live up to it? But even if she does, like I said, even if they both bring their A game, I think Steph's A game is stronger. By the way, will you be pronouncing it Teahopo? No, <laughs> I'm calling it Tahiti. Oh, very good. That's actually that's a respectful way to do it. Yeah, that spot at the end of the road in Tahiti. Yeah, well, I got full approval from a Tahitian uh, oh, okay. listener of the show who said I can just call it Chopes because even the locals do refer to it as Chopes. The uh, abbreviated, yeah, the shortened abbreviated Chopes. name is also okay. Oh, good, Chopes. Okay. Yeah. Tehupo. Tehupo. 
Um, I like Eric's. I mean, he committed that to memory. I feel like he was staring in the mirror. Yeah, well, he was staring in the mirror for like half of that event, just reciting it to himself so that he would be able to do it like a a linguistics class. Exactly. Um, Well, then, so let's claim Stephanie does get through that heat. She'll face Tatiana Weston Webb in match number two. Yeah. Thoughts on that? Um, Again, the Southeast Swell is interesting to me causing some problems, but I think Tatiana Western Webb is, is going to be tough to beat. Really? Yeah. I think Tati has some holes in her game. Yeah. Just like from a technical surfing standpoint, she feels ratchety to me. Like, yeah. like goes from one rail, boom, to the other rail. And I agree. I, I don't like rail. her style. I don't like her and, style. But when she, when she connects, it's gnarly and it's impressive and explosive. And that's why she's found herself in the finals day, uh, two, two years in a row. But again, the question is which Stephanie Gilmore shows up. I think we're, we're guaranteed that Tati is going to put two sevens on the board. The question is, will Steph do nines like she often does, or will she get a nine and a two? Like she sometimes does, or will she get two twos like last year? And I think she has, I'm sorry. I, I think she has all the potential and kind of the momentum to do the, to make, you know, to, post two eights, two nines. And I see Tati, Tati posting two sevens. I, you know, I think about Jay Bay and I believe Tati had a really good run. Did she win Jay Bay? She won. She, and the reason that she surfed so good there is that she found rhythm. Like the waves were big enough for her to find her rhythm. Like she was like from just the first bottom turn. And once it's set, she's pretty smooth. You know, yeah. it's when she doesn't have a rhythm, when she's a little off, that things get a little ratchety, as you say. With yeah. plenty of swell in the water, I could see her finding her rhythm. True. I think she almost searched better backside. Yeah, she does. Uh, I think backside is her strength. The thing is that ratchety comes from stiffness. I feel like she's real stiff and she doesn't have that kind of languid, fluid motion through her body. Yeah. And so when she does something slightly wrong, she falls. Yeah. because she can't like make these micro adjustments. Yeah. And so we see her falling a lot, but it's also that exact opposite style of Steph. Steph is like pure fluid motion through her body. And um, it's an interesting matchup for that reason. They're two separate styles. And the tenacity that I said, Stephanie Gilmore has lacked in recent years is Tatiana's strength. She has it in spades. So I would love to see languid Steph show up versus ten- tenacious Tati and yeah. have those opposite styles go toe to toe. And in that case, I would give it to Steph, you know, but all right. Um, the following heat features Joanne DeFay. Who do you got Joanne versus either Steph or Tati? Talk about an underrated under the radar surfer is Joanne. DeFay. Totally. Like I think, I barely know if she's a regular foot or a goofy foot. You know what I mean? And here she is, number two in the world. Uh, Do you know if she's regular or goofy? (laughs) I think she's a goofy foot. She's regular. (laughs) She's as regular as the day is long. That proves my point. You know, I don't think too many people, like she's just not on everyone's radar. And, she's flown uh, under the radar, but she's won events. And yeah. um, <clears throat> if you remember her storyline a couple of years ago was she's on tour and didn't have enough money. And so Jeremy Flores either underwrote her ticket or um, 
her tour season, or I think maybe even crowdfunded it from Reunion Island. Mm -hmm. Uh, But at any rate, she got local uh, personal support. And then more recently, O'Neill picked her up. So she's got full backing and she deserves it. She is super well-rounded. She's won events for years. She's only gotten better. She has super strong backhand, which um, could be a point of difference for her against any of these surfers. She's got air game. She's done airs, stomped legit airs in events. She's got power. She's got style. So I think she's an interesting, she could be the underdog of the event. All right. I agree. Well, there's no doubt she's the underdog. And, um, but look, let's just face the facts. I don't think anyone's going to beat Carissa. Me neither. Carissa, Carissa Moore is just like a no-brainer. Um, so she just has to go out. If she just surfs 75%, she'll win. I think she won last year at 75%. Yeah. Um, uh, I mean, what would be interesting is a Stephanie Gilmore, Carissa Moore. That would be fun. That, that would be because then fun. I, I like, I think if you look at any buddy's strengths among the other three women, Cribs, Carissa Gilmore does it better. Like whatever Briss's strength is, Carissa's better at it. Same with Tati, same with Joanne DeFay, and Carissa does it with more style more power, more speed, more flow. Stephanie Gilmore. You called her Carissa Gilmore again. Did I really? Yeah. Jeezo. I guess I'm hoping for the Carissa Gilmore final. That's what I'm hoping for. Um, But Stephanie Gilmore is the only one in the draw who has a very kind of distinct point of difference to her surfing that Carissa can't necessarily go toe to toe with. Carissa would do her thing. Uh, Steph would do her thing and we would just see who does it better on that given day. Yeah. But I would love to see. I sense, I sense that if it was Steph and Carissa, I think Carissa would bring out the best in staff. I think Carissa, I think Stephanie sees some of these other younger surfers and is like, I've got seven, whatever. Okay. I lost to you. No big deal. But I think when she goes up against Carissa, it's more of a contemporary. It's somebody she's got a lot of history with. And I, I sense that it would really help Steph rise um, to be in a final with Carissa, I think we'd see some great surfing. I think so too. And I think that Steph has enough ego that she would want to protect yeah. her legacy because yeah. Carissa is stacking yeah. titles coming after Steph's number, you know? I agree. Totally. All right. So um, exciting. Uh, men, heat number one, match number one, Idolo versus Kanoa. Sadly, I think Kanoa wins this heat based on just. Um, He's, he's a better competitor, you know? Yeah. He's just I a think better so too. competitor. He's the guy that will wait for the groundswell stats and won't jump into, you know, a stack of seven Southeast nine second week kind of barely crumbling windswell waves that look fun because they are, but aren't the scoring waves, you know? In one short year, we have all turned on, <laughs> uh betting on Idolo. Yeah. I mean, up until this year, he was kind of our bet on almost any event, any venue on tour. It was like he's the wild card who could just post tens and win from J Bay to Rio, you know, or, or pipe even. And so what what's gone wrong for Idolo? I know it's funny. Michael C. Morella had a thing on stab where he pointed out Idolo didn't even make a final this year, you know. A former world champion didn't even make a final. Somehow he scraped into fourth position there. But yeah, 
by well, the way, all of us that aren't betting on him would be ecstatic if if the 2019 or the 20 whatever year he won in 2019, mm-hmm. if the 2019 version of Idolo showed up and was flaring and a little bit carefree and um, and like in 2019 he was hungry in a fun-loving way. Yeah, and, yeah. And there, the new version, the la- latest version of Idolo seems like he's defensive. You know, like he's he's got to go out and do the crazy stuff all the time because that's you know, like it's weird. Anyway, I I, I sense that um, you know, Idolo's Idolo's biggest problem right now. He just needs it's, to loosen up and not. You know, it's a fine line, right, between sort of being Zen-like and freestyling and being having to defend uh, the judgment of everybody. It's really interesting. It's an interesting case study. Um, and I think you're totally right. And I think, I think it is a mental thing or just a worldview thing maybe, but I said early, early in this season, I'm like, God, he's posting so many selfies and why has he got a six pack now? And why is it glistening? And why is he, <laughs> you know, like he's hitting the gym super hard, which I admired initially because he came off a world title and he was like right back in the gym. However, muscle isn't necessarily the greatest asset for surfing the focus feels off it feels um narcissistic is what it feels like and so strangely handlers that are that are not doing the right thing yeah he's take he's drinking his own juice you know like he is high on idolo and what's interesting is if you remember in 2019 he was the people's champ the reason we loved him is he was just holding a mirror back at us going like, just have fun, like do what you love and cry along the way and celebrate along the way and all that. <laughs> and now he's turned that mirror around and is staring right at himself. He is, he was the people's champ. And now he's Idolo's biggest fan, you know, and it feels, I mean, the, the, first of all, the performance reflects it, but it also just feels like you can't support it. You don't want to support it. It's too way, cringy. I, I, the other day I went on Amazon and bought some of this. Um, let me show you. I bought some of this Elo glistening oil. Mm, on Amazon. Yeah. yeah. You can, which part of your body <laughs> are you going to rub it on? Cause it's not your abs. My, my ab <laughs> singular. I've got an ab. He's got a six pack. You're rocking the keg. <laughs> I got a Hagen dazs ab. Sourdough and Hagen dazs Um, <laughs> Well, okay. So moving on, I agree with you. Kanoa is here to win it this year. And unless Idolo, um, you know, which Idolo still can land it, you know, yeah, uh, he could, he could post a 10, almost no problem. So if he happens to, uh, Kanoa has got a problem, but I think Kanoa again, will show up and put two sevens on the board. No problem. Almost guaranteed. So he makes it through that heat where he will then draw Ethan Ewing. Well, this is where it all stops for Kanoa because Ethan Ewing is my guy to win the whole thing. And um, based on what? Based on just my own fandom, really. <laughs> you know, like I'm just hoping, like Ethan's the guy I'm rooting for. You know what I mean? Like I, it's not based on anything other than, than I really like the way he surfs and, I, and I'd be stoked if he was a, my world champion i'm basing my this is my pick in that in this heat as well ethan over kanoa and it's based on instagram clips uh in the last week or two from lowers 
Ethan's posted a couple. He posted one this morning, actually right. last night, probably. I saw it this morning, but um, it's freaking undeniable. The yeah. clips he's dropping from lower trestles are unlike anything we've ever seen before. And I, that's not hyperbole. And I'm, I'm trying to contrast it with the best surfing I've seen from Felipe at lowers. And it's still kind of better. There's a point of difference with Ethan. It is unbelievably sharp. He can do it all on rail. Like the real question will be is if he and en ends up in the final with Felipe and Felipe's also got that amazing rail game and then finishes with a huge air or opens with the huge air. Yeah. That might be where Ethan, you know, has, uh, doesn't have the answer, but Ethan may have already posted nines just on three massive rail turns alone. And yeah. so that's undeniable, you know? So I think, yeah, Ethan looks really, really sharp out there. Yeah. I, I, I have seen one of his Instagram drops a couple of days ago and it was mind blowing. And, uh, Anyway, he gets through and then has a quite a challenge. Um, With Jack? Yeah. You think Jack's yeah. a challenge? Well, I think if it's six to seven foot with eight foot sets, <clears throat> um, you know, Jack's, Jack's to be reckoned with. Well, I, I know... Australians are going to skewer me for this. Yeah. Um, I think Jack is, I, I mean, and I am a huge Jack fan. I've always have been, but I think Jack is uh, overrated in venues like this. And I think he was overscored throughout the season at, um, I mean, J Bay, uh, El Salvador, G land, even, and the problem is his surfing looks slow. Like he does pretty impressive maneuvers. I'm watching his Insta uh, lowers clips as well. And it's like, oh, that was a big turn. Oh, he blew the fins out. Oh, he finished with an air. Those are like undeniably great maneuvers, but he looks slow in between them and doesn't look dynamic. And it's impressive in and of itself. But when you, con <laughs> when you, it's all right, when you contrast it, next to Felipe or Ethan specifically, it looks light years slower, you know? And yeah. so the, the problem is Jack's phenomenal. It's the venue that nullifies Jack's greatest strengths. Totally and, and so that's the problem. And that's kind of, again, the problem with running uh, finals day at lowers is <clears throat> as you told Eric Logan should be the final event of the season. And then the final should be a Chopo because to see somebody with all of Jack's talents kind of be neutralized by the wave itself isn't doing anybody a favor. And I'm not trying to give Jack a free pass. He shouldn't have a free pass. He earned his way into finals day, just like everybody else did, but it's not a world-class wave. And he's, it's like putting a Ferrari, like we've said in the past on a go-kart track and yeah. it doesn't do anybody favors. It doesn't do the fans favors. doesn't do the organization favors. doesn't do Jack favors. So that's my one problem here. Uh, I don't see him getting past Ethan Ewing at all. Or so then I think about it. Can he get past Idolo? I mean, Idolo versus Jack would be an interesting, it's kind of 50, 50. Can he get past Kanoa? I don't know. Kanoa beat Jack at sunset this year. You know what I mean? Like 
Kanoa's got the eye of the tiger, so he could take Jack down even. Yeah, so I don't bring, know that I don't know that Jack beats anybody in this. You bring scenario. up a great point. Um, last year we were talking about Griffin Cole Pinto being a guy that has no chance whatsoever because of the venue. And um that's in a much lesser degree. I think that's I think the venue is a bit of a of a of a chain around Jack Robinson's neck here. Yeah. Well, so we're both claiming Ethan beats Jack and goes against Felipe in the final. Yeah. And look, <clears throat> Felipe's, you know, the odds on favorite. I think, you know, if you were to bet, if you were to go to a betting house and it was Ethan and Felipe, Felipe would be the favorite. But I think that this plays into Ethan's hand. I think this is a good thing. I don't think you want to go into the final being the favorite. Yeah. And, um, and I think that I think we're going to see an upset here. I think Ethan Ewing's just—he's uh, the guy. Ethan Ewing, our 2022 World Champ, snatched from Felipe's hands. Which Felipe? I mean, that would be a heartbreaker. This is his best shot in his entire career at a final. It's at the venue that. I mean, it's his home break at this point. Yeah. Um, it suits his surfing better than any other venue on tour. He's got the by far the points lead. If there wasn't this finals day format, he would have locked up the title already. Yeah. And it's the one year where Gabriel and John John are out. And by the way, Idolo's kind of put himself out. So Felipe didn't have any of the contenders that he used to have to contend with. So yeah. this is his shot and Ethan's going to snatch it. It's going to be fun. It's going to be exciting. Um, I wish all of the competitors the best of luck, including Felipe. Um, he's a good man and he, and, uh, he's certainly been trying hard to, to win this thing. Um, but I'm personally more invested in the surfing of Ethan Ewing. Well, me too, but I do, if I had to bet, I would bet Felipe wins the event. Yeah. He's, he's the hands down favorite here. So, and well, Ethan I, will have a lot of work just to get into that final. The one, uh, kind of variable here is we all have expectations for Idolo. I'm for, sorry for Felipe. And that doesn't bode well with the way that judging surfing works. So yeah. we know what Felipe can do out there. If he does anything less than that, he's almost deducted a point or two. Mm -hmm. We want to see huge searing turns and full rotation air. And if he does those, he gets an eight. Whereas if Ethan does that, he's going to get a nine. Yeah. In order for Felipe to get beyond that eight mark, it has to be better than anything we've ever seen from him before. So there's a certain momentum of excitement behind Ethan Ewing. And as soon as he gets up on his feet, we're almost clamoring to put points on the table for him. And, uh, and because Good we point. don't expect him to do the big air, if he does it, boom, you're in the 10 range now, you know? Yeah. So Felipe's got to kind of, uphill battle in that respect but i do think the point of difference here between the two surfers is of massive full rotation air and that could be the difference and felipe could win the event with maybe that. ethan will surprise us there i don't know but i i will say this regarding judging and I, you probably recall i mentioned this to elo is that the judges need to um differentiate between an aerial on the outside section and an aerial on the inside finishing section i I see the the aerial on the finishing section as an exclamation point, and I see 
the aerial on the outside section as um, as a sign of difficulty that needs to be rewarded. And, and I think if you do that, you're going to push progression in the sport. We need to see those guys. And we have seen it, especially on the left, the section, the left section outside is, is doable. We've seen Gabe. I think we've seen Felipe backside. I know we've seen Kelly, all of them bust airs on that first section on the left out there. It's got more of a little moment for them to hit it. Um, and Ethan can do that too. So, I'm hoping that that these surfers recognize that the judges are going to score um, going for it, sending it on the outside section at, at lowers and not just waiting until the inside to do it. Well, they should have plenty of opportunities. So if they open up the heat by trying that and falling, there's plenty of swell. They'll get plenty of opportunities throughout the rest of the heat. So I agree with you. They should go for it. Um, the other thing is Ethan will have to surf two additional heats before he even hits Felipe. So that also creates a little bit of a variable. Yeah. And that variable is like, okay, is he in shape? Because if he's in shape, that variable actually works to his advantage. I think having time in the water, spending time in the water, being able to recognize that, which sets the good set level. And now look, Felipe grows turfs every day, but when this Southeast swell moves in and we get the combo sets, um, could benefit Ethan a lot. If he's excited for it. I'm excited for it. One thing before we Eric Logan teed me up for the excitement. Oh, that's cool. I'm stoked. Um, One more thing before we go. I did learn that Tosh Tudor is one of the invites to the Vans Pipeline Masters. And and in that interview with Eric, we also learned that the WCT has not yet given the green light and or a waiver for CT surfers to put that uh, to surf in the Vans Pipeline Masters. It has not been inked. I'm not saying it won't be, but it has not been set in stone. So they're still still working out the details. Yeah. All right, well, look, David, um, we do have the boardroom show coming up. You can buy tickets, of course, boardroomshow.com, October 8th and 9th, presented by US Blanks. And uh, we're honoring icon of film, Timmy Patterson. And uh, with that, because I have a hard out, so you adios and aloha. Two minutes to spare. Nice. I wanna be on top, forever on the upper damn the competition. I never play a fair, I never turn a hair, just like the politicians. I wrap my conscience up, I wanna win that call, but get that money, baby.
When you're hiring for a small business, you want to find quality professionals that are right for the role, and there's no faster or effective way than through LinkedIn Jobs. Your time and capital are precious, and there is a powerful resource that can help you focus on what you're good at and integrate people into your team seamlessly to help grow your business. LinkedIn Jobs has created the tools to find the right professionals for your team efficiently and for free. LinkedIn isn't just another job board. Everyone is already on LinkedIn with their resumes and references, and now LinkedIn has designed a hiring platform to connect you with candidates specifically qualified for the job that you post about. More than a billion professionals meticulously organized to connect people by skill set to help us all advance our position. 2.5 million businesses already use LinkedIn for hiring, and 86% of small businesses get a qualified candidate within 24 hours. It's that fast, easy to use, and effective. LinkedIn Jobs can help you write job descriptions, filter the right person to you, and give you the tools to help you interview them like a pro. LinkedInjobs.com surf is where you go to post your job for free. Yes, totally free. That's linkedinjobs.com slash surf to post your job for free. Terms and conditions apply. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and, not as uh, simple you know, I, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many you know, more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. 
Why take one vacation with the family when you could take all of them? With Royal Caribbean, you don't just go to the beach. You visit a private island and race down the tallest water slide in North America. You don't just go for a road trip. You ATV and zip line through the jungle. You don't just go somewhere new. You rappel down waterfalls and discover ancient temples. Because this isn't just any vacation. This is all the vacations. Come seek the Royal Caribbean. Ships Registry, Bahamas. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline.